0: As uh, we are practicing uh, meditation uh, here, um, so there is uh, you know, the quality of the awareness we bring and uh, what we give attention to, and we've tried to define this. Um, and there's also another um, part of the deal, I could say. Uh, so there's the quality of the awareness, what it pays attention to, and there's also what we call wise view. So, the way we understand uh, what is happening or what we're doing, or the way we could even say the way we perceive things. And um, so, one very wise view of what's happening here. Um, Uh, We could talk about it through this particular quality of mind called Dhamma-Vichaya. Dhamma-Vichaya is the investigation of phenomena. The investigation of phenomena, well, it's what we've been doing here, coming closer to the experience of stepping, of breathing, of uh, coming closer to mind states, instead of being carried away by mind states or refusing them, we become intrigued. So we're studying uh, the human phenomena. So that's uh, investigation of phenomena. So investigation here means silently attending to, so that the phenomena will reveal their nature. Um, and uh, one part of Dhamma-Vichaya, that, uh, that, um, where I'm, I'm trying to talk here about wise view, is that as we're sitting here uh, studying the mind, we could say, and the mind-body process, um, in a way, a wise view is to not take it personal. So it's a very, very wise view. That's what we're going towards anyway. It's good to know from the start. Um, So we are studying human nature and so we could be sitting here and everything could be seem to be about moi, uh, about me. My backache, my agitation, my calm, my benevolence, <laughs> my thoughts, my intentions. And so that's definitely a possible view of the world. You know? It's a way we can perceive things through which we can perceive things. It's a kind of lens through which we look at experience my uh, dish my sitting spot my walking spot (laughs) my room my time my (laughs) you know my retreat and so it's totally valid that's how many of us live our life news flash it's just a take on reality. It's not an absolute description of reality. It's not reality. It's a view of a reality. What? I did not know that. <laughs> so we're taking the glasses like this, and we're seeing everything with the, you know, this unit, um, absolute unit of measure, you know, which called me. You know what it means about me, what the other does, what does it mean about me, how do I compare to what the other does and what others have done you know, in comparison to me, what I should do and who I should be. You know? So um, that unit of measure in, in Buddhist practice, mm-hmm. we loosen the grip a bit, we loosen the view. The practice is meant partly just for that, And so it's good to know this. And so one of the wise views we can have as we practice here is to, uh, we could almost say like, fall into something bigger. You know, something we could call universal. Ah, freed from me that I thought I was stuck with for the rest of my life. You know, here is a human being. Here is human nature. Let's study human nature. And so see how it resonates for you when I uh, talk about this. It's not to become dissociated. That would not be good. We want to be very, very close to experience. Actually, um, you know, sometimes I hear people, it's a valid view, but I hear people talking about meditation as if we were removed, above, uh, having distance from our emotions and, uh, and this and that. I... I, it might be a way to view it. What I perceive, what I've been trained into, is to actually come really close. It's not a moving a moving out. It's a moving in, in the midst of things, but with a lot of good qualities, with a lot of resources. So awake in the, inside the body, inside the breath, inside hearing, inside... A mind state so that we can actually it's intimacy like really really close but with a stable mind and so that's what we're doing we're going really really close but not with the view that this is personal with the view um, that this is universal the nature of calm the nature of agitation of worry Of uh, shame, pride, arrogance, benevolence, generosity, the nature of ache, the nature of longing, the nature of piercing, tingling, you know, of the public domain. Nobody can claim that, you know. Heart beating is something that does happen in nature. And so, Uh, it can be very uh, liberating just to consider that we could experience life, the same things, but be freed from the unique filter of it's about moi, it's happening to moi. No, it's happening to humans. This is what's happening to humans. We have the chance to be in the heart of the human experience. In the way that I understand this is that we actually... Maybe we add doubt, you know, do I belong to humanity, am I the exception, or the mistake, or the... And by practice we come right back in the heart of humanity. Look at this, humans are like this, sometimes they think obsessively, they are exactly like this, here's a chance to experience this. Human nature was like this, is like this, is going to be like this. So we're getting closer, in a way, to also others. And so that's a very, very wise view. You can't actually impose this, but it can be suggested. You know, like that's the power that the mind has. At some point, or at different points in our life, the mind can be as flexibility. So I'm suggesting this, and maybe it's going to have a little ripple in your own mind. And later you'll be walking, and you're like, oh, It's walking that is happening. If you want to play a little bit with this, you could try, when you think, while practicing, if you want, to remove the I from the sentence, just to see what happens. So in the sentence, I'm hearing, we could go towards a more passive um, wording, hearing is happening. Stepping is happening, impatience is alive, <laughs> joy is, you know, present. So, um, it's, an, it's, again, it's for experimentation, exploration, research, just to see if the thing, the whole thing will disappear, you know. in hearing is happening, maybe everything is still, hap- is still there, and it's fine. And the I that is so obsessing <laughs> and that we're so fascinated with and so enamored with or love hating can fall for a few moments. And what's left? You know, what was there the whole time? You know, a body breathing and thoughts flashing by and moods appearing and disappearing. And uh, slowly, in the course of practice, that's what's going to happen uh, anyway. You know, when we, we sit, we think, it's all about me, it's me, me in this retreat, and how I'll do in this retreat, and evaluating the self, and comparing the self, and, you know, and really, really engaged in the self. And then we start sitting, and we notice that, oh, there's tingling in the hands. You know, my hand becomes a field of tingling. I don't have to define, or identify, or appropriate every event that happens, you know. And at some point we discover, oh, thinking is happening. You know, I, I would like not to think, but it keeps commenting. (laughs) Is that I? What do you mean? It's not my thoughts? No, it's not. (laughs) It's society's thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want anybody to, you know, have a psychosis. That's, that would not be the, the point here. It's, um, it's research. That's what we call spirituality in a way. Eh? Like we're going a little bit beyond the way we've conceived, created the world. Rohitasa, the creation of the world, is in here. And so in Buddhist practice, We go really far. It's not just about following the breath, or have you noticed? (laughs) You know, there's a lot more going on than just uh, being so good at following the breath. That's like step one of uh, a thousand steps, (laughs) you know? And so here, we even uh, start to question the way we perceive things. Why would we do this? As an intellectual game? No. Because of suffering, trouble, confusion and the possibility of the end of uh, stress and suffering. And so that little cage of uh, I or these glasses that we're kind of stuck with, with I, it's very, very painful for us. Uh, it's, you know, just check your regular thoughts. You know, they pretty much all start by I. <laughs> you know, so there's somebody, uh, I can't remember his name, Been so long, maybe 20 years, I've read this book. Anyway, he says uh, he's a Japanese um, Buddhist teacher, but with a lot of humor. Wu wei wu. And uh, I think, is it? I might be mixing my people here. But he says, um, now I don't remember his name, where he's from, and now I can't remember the <laughs> quote. <laughs> that shows oh, okay. you about impermanence and things arising and disappearing. And there'll be more of this <laughs> as the years go by. <laughs> now he says, uh, you know, 99% of our thoughts are about me and there isn't one, no wonder we're stressed out. <laughs> so, well, that's a little bit of a sh- drop, you know, sheer drop. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big uh, kind of statement. It's shocking to hear. But in practice, p- very progressively, we start questioning this, you know, and knowing the very, very strong limitation of this worldview, you know. And so eventually we'll be able maybe to have, yeah, loosen that conception of the world a bit so that we can have, instead of a rigid self, you know, we can have maybe a more flexible sense of self, you know, so that we can let things arise and pass and we notice their past, you know. We don't keep like, it's mine, it's mine, you know, and, you know, piling all the memories and all the thought as if all were describing me being uh, weighted down by it. And so if you want to play with this today, as you notice things happening, you know, oh, a taste <coughs> is happening. Uh, and you'll see also what makes you move. You know, we think, oh, I make the decision to come or not come, or turn around in the walking, or, you know, is that true? is that true you know often i think we're led by emotions mind states or you know when i walk often when i have the idea to turn around it usually often comes anyway often it comes when i'm about to hit a wall suddenly the intention to stop walking arises you would think it's my intention but it seems like it partly belongs to the wall also <laughs> You see what I mean? Things are conditional. I'm playing here with this, but you know, if you sit me in front of a bowl of food, and you put a fork in my hand, chances are, hungry or not, at some point I'll have the idea to dig the fork in the food. You know, it's conditional. You know, things are conditional. That's a big, big Buddhist teaching. Teaching, and here we actually stop and start noticing. Oh. Where do I go to walk? You know, the fear of cold, the need for fresh air, the whatever it is will help make the decision. So is it exactly my decision? You know, just like this slow walking, would you on your own walk slowly like this? Back and forth going nowhere? You wouldn't. It belongs to a local culture <laughs> that arises for a few days where we say, wow, walking slow going nowhere has a lot of value. And suddenly you're like, oh, I'm gonna walk slow going nowhere. You know? Is that really your thought? Or it's a group thought? You know? These are very deep questions. Huh? You might be sitting there like, no, these are my thoughts. Really? <laughs> You know, even if somebody decides to leave here, you know, like, I'm getting out of here, that's enough. Who's deciding? You know, anger, fear, wisdom, you know, something is making the decision. And here we want to become conscious of what is making this decision. What is leading the thoughts? What is leading the movements? You know, because there's things that lead... You know? In uh, human nature, that are helpful, they lead well. You know? In other things, they don't lead so well. Hatred doesn't lead so well. You know? It usually makes really bad decisions for self and others. And so here we practice mindfulness to notice what is leading the actions of body, speech or mind. And so I'm throwing this out there, about the universal nature of what we're exploring. Maybe you'll be able to, you know, see for yourself if it as makes sense or not. I know it feels really, uh, it might sound very far out, you know. Yet, in this tradition, you know, that's, that's very, very much there. The questioning of, uh, you know, who's the lead here? Maybe the last thing I'll say also is this is a very, very precious day today because we've practiced two days on retreat. The two first days are very difficult very often. And slowly we, the mind refines itself, gets a little bit more quiet, a little bit more engaged. And so we're less like a horse in a stable, you know, kicking all direction, feeling trapped. So here the system starts to calm a little bit and maybe the work can begin, you know, before we were just surviving, maybe you know, trying to survive being here. And now that there's a little bit more stability in the mind, uh, maybe we can pay really close attention. What we're doing is extremely delicate, so being kind of general, generally there is not. won't do it. What we're looking at is way too subtle for a kind of a superficial attention. And so slowing down can really help um, not to follow the norm as a way to, for research. Like I'm talking about, oh, you're doing research, use that tool, you know, that particular kind of scalpel or whatever it is, you know, is very, very sharp. You know, if you're doing this research, better do it with a good knife than with a branch. <laughs> you know, if you want to cut through reality, it's better to use the good tools. So here, the design of the retreat is a set of good tools to help us pierce through our assumptions about reality that we're kind of stuck with. And so one of the tools also that is very powerful is called continuity. That is often what we call the secret of practice. Continuity um, as opposed to stop and go practice. I'll do the thing, then I'll do my habitual ways of just obsessing obsessing, thinking, being unmindful, you know, and then i'll start again, and this is really, really hard because we always have to start from scratch, so the best way to go about this, even if you think just surviving this, <laughs> the best way to go about it is to try to be as steady as possible, so for example, this morning we could think. We have until lunch, see like a block of practice, and we'll try to really stay very present moment to moment because it builds up. It's not just in isolated moments of presence, they actually truly build up. You might already be feeling it now. You know, that there's a build up that happens, it's conditionality, causality. The moment of mindfulness is. uh, is uh, produced by a prior moment of mindfulness what is the cause of a moment of being fully present another moment before where we were fully present causes the next one and so they become very very precious why would we want to be present because that's where creativity lies that's where integrity lies that's where Ethic lies, that's where uh, resources, courage, wisdom lies. It doesn't lie in obsession, in being half-present. Do you follow me? So being present is the best way to encounter life. If something is beautiful or difficult or neutral, being particularly present in this teaching is said to be the best strategy to encounter life. Let's try it. We don't have to do perfectly. It's not possible. We just tend towards, invite as much as possible to the best of our ability, a quality of presence with what is there in the heart. Sometimes it's heavy, sometimes it's stressed out, sometimes it's uh, quiet. We work with the local conditions. So here we discover very simply, directly, immediately what's there. Don't have to explain. We just have to notice, feel what's there, just as it is. Whatever shows up it doesn't have to be deep or anything. It can be just the feeling of the hands, the sounds in the room. doing this and can continue using a language that uh, removes the notion of I, just to see if things still can continue to happen. As in, oh there is a body sitting here. The body is sensitive. It's breathing. There's a quality of mind. A certain quality of the mind, just like this. Awareness sometimes is well established, sometimes a little intermittent, unstable. It's natural, it's human nature. Notice the quality of the awareness. Well, it's like this right now. Is it friendly? in there, could it be? It might be possible to notice that hearing happens by itself spontaneously, and there are sounds a healthy ear hearing happens breathing breathing happens by its own also and is known also very simply you don't have to produce the breath We don't even have to produce the knowing. Knowing is natural to human nature. Sometimes the body experiences uh, ease and sometimes unease or dis-ease. It's natural. See if the mind can allow things to be just as they are right now, maybe easeful or not so easeful. Presence or awareness reveals the breathing or reveals the body. And the sensations of the body, the sensations of breathing reveal that there is awareness, sensitivity. the intelligence or consciousness is perceived to be behind the behind the eyes see if you can let the intelligence drop in the heart area sensitivity the consciousness drop in the heart area experiencing the world from there Even just if you want, letting the attention, intelligence, sensitivity drop in the belly. Just if you want. Suffuse the arms and legs, the whole body, skin, whole body sensitive, intelligent. Did you hear the bell? Or did hearing happen? Or was the bell heard? So there's a few minutes here um, for um, maybe questions, something to clarify about the practice, or the view I just talked about. Maybe something you want to name or object to? Knowing happens? Mm -hmm. So like for, in this moment now, are you actively seeing, or could we say seeing happens? When there's uh, healthy eyes, we could say, and there is light and objects, seeing happens. We could say, I see, but it's valid, you know, in in a way it's totally valid, but if we're questioning our perceptions, the way we construct the world, Rohitasa, you know, the way you create the world, the beginning of the world, and so here we're saying, oh, look at this, actually, Uh, seeing happens naturally, you know, so does hearing, you know. And smelling also, some whoops, a smell happens. It's not, I went and got some smells. <laughs> so And so in this way, these are forms of knowing. So knowing of sight happens by itself. The knowing, the experiencing of a smell or warmth happens by itself in a way. Do you see?
1: Yeah, I do I guess
0: Yeah, sometimes feelings come and they're hard to uh, recognize, you know, give give a label to, because it might be mixed things, or it might be something that, you know, the mind doesn't allow to be known fully. It could be true. Um, But even with feeling, in terms of I, it's very interesting. Are you the feelings, or are they yours? You know, and in practice, Uh, we start to see that feelings, emotion pass by, you know, so they can't actually be me. Because I seem to stay, and the feelings seem to come and go, you know? But then we say, my joy, my calm, my agitation, my anger. you know. And um, again, absolutely valid. It's a really fine way to see the world. And here we're interested by the limitation. I'll give you an example if uh, crosses this mind a cruel thought i hope you pay for the way you just closed the door you know i hope you burn somewhere <laughs> for the way you just imagine that i'm um, i define myself by a thought or something like this that crosses the mind it means i'm a bad person if there's a recognition that there's a thought that passes by, and there's consciousness, mindfulness. It can be recognized, oh, that is not helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's not act on this one, or feed this one, you know? And then, in a way, that's the end of the story. I don't have to define myself by it. Yet, I'm very responsible, because I'm conscious of what arises in the mind, you know? Or, you know, generosity arises, If there is uh, some kind of, uh, you know, mistaken identification or, you know, I could say like, I'm so generous. Always been. Are you all aware that I'm a really generous person? (laughs) Do you see the perversion we could say in this, like the, the mistaken view? Generosity is beautiful. When it arises, it's good to follow on it, you know when it arises in others, it's good to appreciate it, but to actually define oneself by something that is part of nature can can create stress, you know? Because somebody could say, oh, you're not that generous, Pascal. I'm generous, don't you know? Everybody agrees I'm generous, <laughs> you know? And so I'm playing a little bit with this. And so here we're starting to see, you know, that, um, you know, it goes really far, actually, it goes with the um, It goes with the fear of death, you know? If I'm really identified with the body and everything, like, what's gonna happen to me, you know? And the more I practice, the more, oh, the body is there, it's alive, it's important to take care of it, to celebrate it, you know, to be in a good relationship with it, to keep it healthy. And, you know, it belongs to nature. It's all elements of nature, earth, wind, fire, water. So knowing, that's one place where we tend to identify, yeah, but I'm the witness in there, I'm the one who knows. And the more we practice, but it requires that we get really, really calm. Because you know, if the mind keeps commenting, there's, there's not going to be an investigation of this. But we might find that knowing actually is not so much I, it's just a function of the mind, it knows. You know, consciousness is something that happens in nature. And that can be very liberating. So it's, oh, it's not me, the little conscious I stuck inside the body, you know, scared, separate from the rest. No, it's an element of nature that is happening. I'm actually presenting this very easily, like, hey, voila, <laughs> it's a new version of reality. <laughs> and it could take a lifetime of practice to begin to actually question this skillfully. But apparently worth it because without these questions it's gonna be stressful. You know, we're gonna take everything personal and it's it's gonna be really high stress. Uh I don't recall your exact work, but you mentioned
1: something about becoming more intimate with the experience. Yes. And how um, do you do that? Because I, I um for me like nothing kind of puts me
0: Stop noting. <laughs> Drop it right now. <gasps> How dare he? <laughs> it's all about noting. <laughs> noting is one of the, the tools, you know? And I said, you know, we're doing like sheer uh, jerkle investigation here. And so notel- noting is a tool. Sometimes it's not the good tool. Sometimes you don't need to note. Like, in, I think you're using labeling. Yeah, yeah. When you say noting is a label... Sometimes you don't need the label because your feet is actually touching the ground. You don't need to say, touching the ground, <laughs> you know, like it's extra. It's actually totally in the way. When the mind is scattered, you do want to note because you're like, hey, honey, what's going on? Oh, stepping, you know, you're remembering, you're the noting. The label is a little bit like a frame around the picture so you can experience the picture. So i am be sitting here a little last. What's happening, Pascal? Oh, Breathing breathing so I'm noting it's an invitation to feel but at some point the mind is there it's present and so I just want to feel the stepping the expansion of the chest the taste that appears like I don't have to say tasting I know it's it's felt so I don't have to put a label a concept in the in the way to veil the experience you know and so I can drop it then and then whoops at some point I'll see I'm a little lost what's happening you know, oh, hearing, hearing. And so if you use the label, the label is the invitation to silence, to feel. And so that's how intimacy happens. Are
1: you getting rid
0: of Yeah, at some point you get rid of it. Or, it, uh, you know, in the, sometimes we describe it as like, if you use label, it should be as transparent as a, as a dragonfly wing, you know? Like it shouldn't veil the experience, you know? It's like sometimes we're like labeling, it's like we're going around with, you know, like what's this instrument called, you know? (laughs) Like knocking things out, you know? Like it's not skillful at all because what we want is a a felt experience, not a concept, not a word, you know? So sometimes helpful, sometimes not helpful.
1: Um. Question? In this world we have a saying that says that uh, experience is the best teacher. Um, in Buddhism when things are happening, emotions, or are you allowed to experience them? If it's a bit, walk on it time, experience it and let it go. When it is bad and try to feel what it is, what it feels, then let it go. Otherwise don't, don't stick on it. Is it allowed in Buddhism, or you have to just let it happen? You see, like, walking happen, like, uh, it's happened, like, crying it's happened, and let it go? Or are you allowed to hook on it a bit and experience it and get a feeling of it? Uh-huh.
0: So, to me, uh, what we do here is really, really p- putting a big emphasis on experiencing things. So that's how I understand uh, the practice, is, oh, experience the stepping, experience the calm, experience the annoyance, experience the rage. So it means really, really feeling it, Um, not describe it, not think about it, not uh, analyze it, where does it come from in my childhood, you know? These are other avenues, but here we just sit here and like, oh my God, anger, like oh, jaw, heat, you know, and the quality of the mind, you know, like no more nuances, you know, you're like this, you've always been like this, this is how you are, you know, like, oh, nuances are gone, like, I get to experience in the thinking, I'm awake to what it says, in, or, you know, in the benevolence, oh, you know, there's another kind of field I'm in. So I'm invited to um, re- really feel it. As far as letting go goes, I don't know how it is for you, for me. Letting go, I can't decide.
1: There are things for me which can, which which happen. And I see them happening, and when I look on them, I don't let them go.
0: You hope that one day you'll let them go? I don't let them go. You don't let them go, yeah.
1: Well, some of them don't you some of them happen. And then I let them go, you know? but then so Do you let
0: them go or they go?
1: Oh, okay. They go. They <laughs> I see them happening. Like I yeah. Do, I see them happening. First, but the sound you see happening, and it's like, uh, hey, it can go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I experience it and I say, stay with it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, we can have different uh, ways that we experience uh, things, you and I, but uh, for me, I noticed that things... It's not, we use that language, like I hang on to it. I'd, I'd, I'd like to let it go. I would like to let it go, but it seems to stay, <laughs> it's, you know. So that's the old language of I is very yeah, limited in this way. Or, yeah. Yeah. or I say, oh, some things arise and I let them go. Do I let them go or they <laughs> arise and go, <laughs> you know. The goal let them go, you know.
1: I see the Buddha is up to it, you know, and then it pass, you
0: know. Yeah, yes. yeah. So here we just basically, as I understand it, observe the, these phenomena of not letting go and of letting go, you know. Sometimes it, let, it lets go and sometimes it doesn't. And here we just notice what happens, you know. Oh, this one, I seem to not let it go, you know, and we notice this is how it is for now. I'll say maybe just one more thing, it might be useful for you or for others. The way I understand in this practice that letting go happens, How does letting go happen? Not through will. You know, okay, let go now. You know, (laughs) doesn't seem to work so well. Letting go happens through, is a result of clear understanding or deep understanding. When I understand deeply that hanging on to something is not beneficial for me, I let it, the body relaxes, the mind lets go, you know. And so as long as they're clinging, I know that I'm mistaken. Like I still feel it's important to hang on to the thing. And so here, one of the things that happen as you're, we're practicing here is we'll have an opinion. will come like, I wouldn't do this like this. This is now I, how I would hold the retreat. Like whatever, you know. There's an opinion. And then you can sit with it and walk with it and, you know, and be hooked by the opinion. In this practice here, we say, and soak in it, like sit, walk, sit, walk with it for a few hours or a few days and at some point it will become really clear that it's exhausting, <laughs> you know and at some point ah like, oh, I'm tired of thinking of how you should breathe, you know, just <laughs> breathe as you want, you know, to the neighbor you know, so the letting go happens when we're deeply touched by the uh, stressful way that something is hel- held, you know but it needs contact. It needs high-quality contact. So, you know, one Zen teacher would say, students would describe their experience, and he would say, hmm, more suffering needed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you need to keep your opinion a little bit longer, you know, and suffer from it. <laughs> you know? And if you have high-quality awareness, it'll be, you'll be shaken at some point. You'll notice, I can't actually hang on to this, you know this should have happened like this, it should have happened like this, you know. Let's hang on to this for 20 years. <laughs> and at some point, like, ah, I'm tired of having an opinion that it should have happened like this. This is how it happened, you know. So, anyway, just a few words on this. They might resonate for you or not. So, we'll finish with uh, your comment or question, Alexander. I had a
1: question, actually. Yes. <laughs> In my daily life, I find that very overwhelming to be aware all the time Um, because I'm very sensitive in some ways and reality is overwhelming, what do I do in such a case? Because I want to be aware but it's overwhelming at the same time.
0: Yeah, so what we're trying to do here is um, you return to sensitivity But uh, at the same time as we're developing the sensitivity or returning to the sensitivity, we're also wanting to develop the capacity to be sensitive. So these are two things. Because if I'm very sensitive, but I don't have the inner resources, I'm gonna be hit by everything, you know, and it's gonna be, yes, right. right. And so here what we're doing, you might notice, we're building the capacity to be sensitive. What is this building? What, what is it built of, this capacity to be sensitive? It's built of calm, steady calm. It's built of curiosity. You know? Because otherwise we feel things and we fear. And here we learn to, oh, I can allow some discomfort. And we learn to be stable in discomfort. We learn to be stable in beauty. We learn to be stable when it goes the way we want. We learn to be stable when it doesn't go the way we want. It's not easy to do, but it's doable. At least says this one, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. It's actually possible to develop a whole set of qualities. Instead of developing, you know, reactivity, uh, you know, uh, hatred of things and people and, you know, the world, we try to bring curiosity, acceptance, compassion, uh, joy, courage. so And so these also can be cultivated. It's not like, oh, I wish I was more courageous. Oh, let's work at it a little bit. Like, okay, so here the schedule helps us do this because it's not exactly the schedule I would want, you know. And so let me be there even if it's not that comfortable, you know. And then I find out that's maybe what we call inside, oh, I can be with discomfort. Because before, I couldn't be with discomfort because the mind was so agitated, like, discomfort, I don't want discomfort. And now we're saying, like, oh, let's go another way. Could it be okay, actually, to be uncomfortable for a few seconds? Before, you know, I would be uncomfortable, and my mind would project, oh my God, it's going to stay like this forever, you know? And this would be really, really... um, Difficult because we would multiply the difficulty by our lack of uh, capacity to be with And now we divide the difficulty by our capacity to be with It's really not easy, but worth trying because the world will remain Yeah, misbehaving all the time (laughs) you know, so here we develop steadiness acceptance, courage, all these qualities there. That's why we talk a lot about uh, mindfulness, because in the wake of mindfulness, it's kind of a portal to a host of very, very powerful uh, uh, qualities. We call them faculties, powers, uh, you know, they're they're really real powers, you know, like, uh, almost like hero. You think like they can lift things that are heavy, real power, Is actually to stay stable when things are going south. To actually be able to remain engaged. And this we can develop. Okay. So I'm really happy you're here, like playing a little bit with this. You know. Okay. So time for uh, walking for some of us, and for a few of us, there is a meeting at this point. Okay. Thank you very much.